You know, in this um, series of messages that I've been bringing on boundaries from God's Word, I've had a lot of metaphors that have come to mind. And one that came to mind as I was preparing this message was uh, that there are very general boundaries and there are some specific boundaries. And I thought about uh, public pools having boundaries between the deeper water and the more shallow water. And then I thought about places like Moraine State Park and other public swimming areas having boundaries that uh, keep people from going into deeper water, and also where boats might be and, and things like that. Boundaries offer borders for our safety. And the truth is, each of us have learned to live within certain boundaries for our own good, for our safety, for our own well-being. And most people of average intelligence and, and above can direct their own actions well enough to remain safe. We also know how not to endanger others. We get that. You know, it's, it's, it's common for us to know how to protect ourselves and not endanger others. When we're young, sometimes we're reckless. We make mistakes. We err. We go over the lines. We exceed the speed limit. We do these things that take us into danger. We who follow the Christ live our lives to honor God. And we want to live our lives in such a way as to be pleasing to our Creator. And we love Him supremely. And we love others as ourselves. We who follow the Christ love our neighbor as ourselves, and thereby and therefore we do not deliberately cause harm to anyone. We don't go over the double yellow line and head toward the car that's coming in our direction. For example, we don't take down the pool boundary and allow those who might not be able to survive in deeper water to go into that deeper water. We encourage safety. And that's part of the truth. Because the truth is we don't want anyone to be harmed. The truth is we want to honor God. The truth is we want to live for God. Scripture offers two polar opposites regarding truth. You have truth, and then you have non-truth. Truth, falsehood. Truth, deception. They're not the same. But they have boundaries that intersect. And some people like to call these boundaries gray areas. God's Word is very cut and dry. It's very clear. There's either truth or there's error. There's truth or there's falsehood. There's truth or there's deception. There's no middle ground. There's no gray area. There's not some place where we can say, well, that's almost the truth. It's mostly the truth. Through thousands of years, many have devoted their lives to blurring the line between truth and deception. They've blurred the lines between what's true and what's false. And this is the work 
of Hasatan. That's his Hebrew name. Hasatan, the enemy of souls, the enemy of truth, the enemy of righteousness, the enemy of all that's right. He's the great deceiver. We call him Lucifer. We call him Satan. We call him the devil. We call him Beelzebub. Hasatan. His first act of deception was to get a third of the angels to follow him out of the presence of God. And there are multiple scriptures that relate this idea. There's not one scripture that says a third of the angels followed him out of the presence of God. But there are multiple passages. I'm not going to bring them all just in the interest of time. I trust that if you don't believe me, we can sit down and talk about it, and I can show you in the Scriptures what it says. Or you can research it for yourself. They were cast to the earth. And ultimately, they will be sent into everlasting, eternal punishment. In Revelation 20 and verse 10, it's written, The devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. There are those today that say there is no such place. That there is no eternal, everlasting torment. I hear on Christian radio stations, Christian preachers who say that there is no hell. Oh, they don't put it in those words. They say that you will be removed from the presence of God eternally. The God's Word says that there is this place, a fiery place, that lasts forever and ever and ever. And Christ Himself talked about those who would be tormented forever. See, that's the truth. Devil's translated from diabolos. The Greek word diabolos means the false accuser, the slanderer, and it refers to Satan. His second recorded act of deception. First was he got the angels to follow him, a third of God's angels, created beings. The second recorded act of deception was to get Eve to eat of the fruit that God had forbidden. And this has had consequences for all of us, even to this day. We're still living with them. We are still living with the consequences of that deception. In fact, both of his deceptions have led to consequences that we live with. Adam was not deceived. It's written in 1 Timothy chapter 2. But the woman, being deceived, was in the transgression. Satan mixed truth with lies to deceive her. So it was part truth and part deception, part lies. The serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. See, and partly that was true because right then, at that moment, she did not die physically. But spiritually, she was immediately cut off from God. And so was her husband whenever he ate of the fruit. The enemy said, for God doth not know that in the day you eat thereof that your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. 
See, that's the result of the deception. Sin. Sin entered the world through deception. They went against the truth. The truth was God said, don't do that because there will be consequences. And the enemy said, ah, the consequences aren't that bad. It's not what God said. Or here's the reason why. It was deception. Satan's a liar. He's the father of lies. At least this is what our Lord said. You're your father, the devil. He was speaking to the religious people at that time, the highly religious, the most religious. And he said, you're of your father, the devil. He called them devils. Children of the devil. And he said, the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. Why would he call him a murderer? Sin leads to death. The wages of sin is death. The one who causes another to sin has caused that death spiritually. He's a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks of the lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Who's the father of lies? Who's the father of deception? Satan. But his final deception is to deceive all of mankind into following him into a place of eternal punishment. And that's reserved for him and his crew of evil-doing followers. It wasn't made for us. He's deceived people into believing they can go on willfully sinning without consequences. But that's not so. In fact, God's Word tells us, it is written, now, by this we know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. He who says, I know Him, and does not keep His commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in Him. And what does that Scripture say there? If our Lord said, Satan is a liar and the father of it, and those who do not keep God's commandments are liars, and the truth is not in them, what does that say? They're children of the devil. That's what God's Word says. That's not me. And it's written in Hebrews chapter 10, For if, if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. Now, my job is to help you see through the deception. That's my job. And it's a heavy weight on me sometimes. And as I see the world turning as it is, and I see the things that are happening, and I see the deception growing, I say, God, help me. I cannot do this alone. But I intend to. I intend to continue. I want us to read from the 18th chapter of the book of Revelation, and you'll find that on page 1894 if you choose to follow along in the books there in your seats. Page 1894. 
<clears throat> and it's the 18th chapter of Revelation. And I'm going to read the entire chapter. I hope you don't mind. God's Word is true. Every man can be a liar. Page 1894 in the Bible's there in your seats if you're interested. Also, it'll be on the screen. It's already up. After these things, it is written, I saw another angel coming down from heaven having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the greatest fallen is fallen and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. <clears throat> for all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury." And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. Come out of Babylon. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works in the cup which she has mixed mix double for her. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. That doesn't sound good, does it? Babylon lived in luxury. And God says Babylon is going to be tormented with the same measure that she lived in luxury. For she says in her heart, I sit as queen and am no widow and will not see sorrow. Therefore, her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judges her. The kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, the mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her, for no one buys their merchandise anymore." Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple, silk and scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object, the most precious wood, bronze, iron and marble, and cinnamon and incense, fragrant oil and frankincense, wine and oil, fly, fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots and bodies and souls of men. Sounds like slavery there. <clears throat> the fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you, and all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you, and you shall find them no more at all, Babylon. 
The merchants of these things who became rich by her will stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour such great riches came to nothing. Every shipmaster who traveled by ship, sailors, and as many as trade on the sea stood at a distance and cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What is like this great city? They threw dust on their heads and cried out, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city in which all who had ships on the sea became rich by her wealth, for in one hour she is made desolate. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy prophets, apostles, excuse me, and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone, threw it into the sea, saying, Thus, with violence, the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found any more. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, and trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore. No craftsman of any craft shall be found in you anymore. And the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. And the voice of the bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery all the nations were deceived." By your sorcery all the nations were deceived, and in her was found the blood of prophets and saints, and of all who were slain on the earth. I ask that God would add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. Sorcery. Nobody practices sorcery anymore. Right? I mean, come on. Sorcery. By thy sorceries were all nations deceived. Now, when we look at the Greek word for sorceries, it is pharmakia. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Pharmakia. It's medication. By extension, magic. Literal or figurative, it's also sorcery and witchcraft. And that word shows up three times in the King James Version of the Bible. The Thayer's definition, that's the Strong's definition, the Thayer's definition is the use or the administering of drugs. Poisoning. Sorcery, magic arts, often found in connection with idolatry and fostered by it. Metaphorically, it's the deceptions and seductions of idolatry. So we see there are two different things there. There's this uh, pharmacy, the pharmacia, the drugs, and then there's also the deceptions and seductions of idolatry. And it doesn't matter what it is that somebody idolizes. The sad reality is that in this land, drugs have become idols. We don't like to think of it that way, but that's the truth of it. They've become idols. We worship those things. We worship with them. Though we ought not. By thy pharmacia, 
sorceries were all nations deceived, Babylon. This is Almighty God speaking to those who are deceived. Did you know that these United States of America lead the global pharmaceutical market? We have the most extensive global pharmaceutical market in the world. Next is Japan, then China, then Germany. The USA's global market's larger than the other three combined. In fact, whenever you look at the numbers, ours is larger than the next six combined. So, is the pharmacia market expanding or is it shrinking? And there are those who want to expand it even more. Everybody should participate. In fact, we should force people to participate. That's what they're saying. Because after all, you might hurt somebody if you don't participate. Never mind that you might be hurt if you participate. And so I have to ask, that passage of Scripture that speaks to Babylon, who by their pharmacia all nations were deceived, is it speaking of our country? There's not another country. I don't foresee another country growing in this market beyond where we are. And so if that is true, if that is true or possible, then who's Babylon? We are the global leaders in pharmacia. And then we also import drugs from other lands that kill and destroy. You know, we call them things like heroin, fentanyl, call them things like cocaine. And who is it that seeks to kill and destroy? The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. This is what our Lord said, written in John 10.10. And He said, after He said that, and I don't have it in my notes, He said, but He came to give life and to give it more abundantly. See, you have death and you have life. You have truth and you have deception. These are boundaries in God's Word. Because when you go from one, you go into the other. Take heed to yourself, it's written in Deuteronomy chapter 11, that your heart be not deceived, and that you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. There are people who are locked into worshiping things that are not of God, including pharmacia. Countless numbers of people have been deceived into believing that their favorite drug, <clears throat> which is their idol, only gives pleasure. It only brings happiness. It only brings peace. 
It only helps them. But anyone who's been locked in the throes of addiction know that's not true. I had a young lady approach me yesterday, and she's grieved over the number of loss of life, the number of lives that have been lost in the last year through pharmacia, sourcing. She wanted me to meet with her at some point in time to discuss it. You see, I've been involved on the front line when it comes to helping to save lives, to spread information, to help people recognize the signs of addiction, for example. But I've had to take a back seat in that arena for a lot of reasons. But that deception of believing that their favorite idol only brings pleasure is, in fact, deception. Others believe they're not deceived, though. But the nature of deception (laughs) disproves that. To be deceived, one is led from truth into falsehood or error. It's written in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 1, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Does this not apply to any mind-altering substance? Anybody? I would suggest to you that anything that alters our consciousness, that which God has provided for us in order to operate on this planet in His way, anything that alters our consciousness to that degree mocks Him. It does not place us in His light. It does not put us in His will. It takes us outside of it. And we are deceived if we believe otherwise. According to Ezekiel, God will allow His people to be deceived when they've set up their idols in their hearts and put them that which caused them to stumble into iniquity. God allows it. He allows the deception. He says, okay, you want that? Have at it. It's all yours. In fact, our Creator promises even to deceive the prophets. I think we saw some of that this past year, unfortunately. In Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 9, it is written, And if the prophet be deceived when he hath spoken a thing, I, the Lord, have deceived that prophet, and I will stretch out my hand upon him and will destroy him from the midst of my people Israel. You see... God can bring deception also. In fact, He tells us that in the last days He's going to bring a great delusion because the people love iniquity. They love darkness. They don't want the light. He says, okay, I'll give you what you want. Christ repeatedly warned about deception. 
In Luke chapter 21, it's written, he said, Take heed that you be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the truth, excuse me, and the time draweth near, go ye not therefore after them. There's many that are going to come and say, yeah, he's Christ. They're going to be in the body. The time draws near. He's over here. Come follow me. But don't go after them. In Romans chapter 7, it's written, For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me. This is Paul writing to the church in Rome. What was he saying? He was deceived by sin. Sin deceived him, and by it slew me. For the wages of sin is death, and the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I know this isn't a feel-good message, folks. But I've got to bring you the truth. I've got to bring you the light. I have to shine light on this. We are in a time when the whole world is coming under deception and delusion. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, that's people who are having sex outside of marriage, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, those who are having sex with somebody else's spouse, or they're married and they're having sex with some, somebody else other than their spouse, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, and drunkards would be anybody who's blowing your mind out on anything, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. None of these ones are going to inherit the kingdom of God. This is what's written in God's Word. I don't care what some other preacher has told you. He's lied to you. If he hasn't told you this, he has lied to you. And the Word goes on, and such were, past tense, some of you, but... You're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. See, there's the good news. We're set free from all of those things. We are no longer fornicators. We are no longer idolaters. We are no longer adulterers. We are no longer effeminate. We are no longer abusers of ourselves with mankind. We are no longer thieves, no longer covetous, no longer drunkards, no longer revilers, no longer extortioners. It doesn't say you go on doing that and you're sanctified. It doesn't say you go on doing that and you're washed. It doesn't say you go on doing those things and you're justified. It says you used to be. You were. You no longer are. And if you are, you must repent. Be not deceived. God is not mocked, it is written. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If you plant sin, you reap death. That's the word of God. Don't plant sin. Titus chapter 3 tells us we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, 
serving divers' lusts, different lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. We were, used to be, In 2 Corinthians, it's written, For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, and I can understand exactly what Paul was writing to the Corinthians there. For I betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ, but I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. I've heard people twist that around. Now they're going to get into the twisting of it, but they themselves are deceived. The chaste virgin is one that's spotless, pure. And we're not purified by our own work, we're purified by His. It's written that deception will increase as the time of Christ's return nears. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, it's written in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 13. Deceiving and being deceived. You see, because even the deceivers are themselves deceived. And they go on deceiving and being deceived. And this is something that Christ warns against over and over. I have brought all those passages of Scripture. But I want you to understand, he made it clear, and God's Word is absolutely certain about this, we must be on guard against deception. And this is why you will hear God's Word proclaimed from this pulpit, and less of my words. Because God's Word is true. We used to be disobedient. We used to be deceived. That's what his Word says. But... It's written that deception will increase. It's going to get worse and worse. That word deceive, when I looked at Webster's 1828 dictionary, I guess it is, it is to take a side, to ensnare, to mislead the mind, to cause to err, to cause to believe what is false or disbelieve what is true. To impose on, to delude. You see, deception is the enemy of souls. In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 4, our Lord said, it's written that He said, Take heed that no one deceives you. He didn't say just the devil. Could be the person sitting next to you. Because if they're deceived, they will deceive others. In Revelation chapter 13, it's written, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. This is the second beast in Revelation. I'm not going to get into all that. I just want to bring out the point He had two horns like a lamb, spoke like a dragon, exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell 
on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sign of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the first beast. And the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many who would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And Revelation thirteen sixteen tells us, He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. It's that dreaded number. He causes. What was written in that passage in Revelation that we read? It, let's see. It was uh, by what? The uh, sorcery? Were all nations deceived? But it's written in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 11, And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. You see, that tells us there is an eternal place of torment. It's not just separation from God. It's not just darkness. It's not just blackness. It is torment forever. In Revelation 16, 2, it's written, So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. So even here on earth, those who take that mark will suffer. In Revelation 19, in verse 20, it's written, And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, and which, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. In Revelation 20 and verse 10, that devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. We looked at that earlier. See, deception must be guarded against by the body of Christ because the Word of God says we can be deceived. Makes it clear. And there's punishment. He causes everyone to take that mark. The nations of the world are deceived by his pharmakia. In Revelation 21 and verse 18, excuse me, verse 8, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And earlier we learned that that goes on forever. So that second death is dying without being dead. It's an eternal dying. Wanting it to be over, but it's never over. You ever been on one of those rides in an amusement park and you're like, i got to get off. Stop this thing. Let me off. And you can't. 
There's no way out. Sorcerers in that passage comes from the Greek word pharmakios, pharmakios. It comes from pharmakon, a drug, that is a spell-giving potion, a druggist, pharmacist, or poisoner, that is by extension a magician, a sorcerer. Thayer's definition calls him one who prepares or uses magical remedies, a sorcerer. By your pharmacia, Babylon, the whole world is deceived. And as I wrap this up, I must emphatically beg each of you to pray to Almighty God to have your eyes opened. That you would be kept from any deception. That you would be freed from any deception that might be upon you right now. In the end, it's written that all nations will be deceived by the pharmacia of one nation. It's also written that all of those who are deceived into taking the mark of the beast will suffer eternal punishment. I don't want anyone who hears my voice speaking the Word of God to be among that number. This is serious to me. I will stand before God and He will say, did you give them what I gave to you? And I pray that I can honestly say, yes, Lord, my hands are clean. For I've shunned not to give the entire counsel of God's Word, not just that part that feels good. God set the boundaries a long time ago. It's not just now. He asks us to simply live by them. They're His boundaries. He set them for our own good, just like those who designed the pool put the, the buoys on the rope to separate the deep water from the shallow, just like those who set up the swimming areas in the places like Moraine State Park have put in the buoys on the rope, just like those who paint the lines on the roads to keep us safe. It's not a punishment to have boundaries. The boundaries are for our good. And he tells us one of the boundaries that's going to be messed up is the truth. Because people are going to fall into deception. And we, of all, must be on guard against that deception. Please join me as we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, some messages that you give me are very difficult for me to deliver. You worked on me all week long. My soul was troubled deep within me over this message. I thank you for enabling me and allowing me to articulate it. I pray, Lord, that I have spoken everything truthfully. I ask if there's anything, Lord, that was outside of your will, that you would strike it from our minds and our hearts. I know that I am failable. I know that I have in my lifetime been deceived by people, circumstances, situations, educators. And so, Lord, I know that deception is possible. 
I ask, Almighty God, please, take the deception away from your people that are within the sound of my voice. Lead us out of temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.